Take out your bulletin and uh, look to the back page there, and there's an outline to follow along. We have been in a series that we have simply called The Facts of Life. It is a study from the book of Ecclesiastes. I think we've read just about every verse through this book so far. As we're going to do chapter 11 today, we'll look at every verse in that chapter. And Solomon is really writing a journal. He has lived in a crazy way, both in sin and in righteousness. He's done a lot of things that he didn't have permission to do from God, but he's now reflecting on all the things that he did, and he's writing his thoughts about stuff. And we've been going through this, just looking at this, and so I hope that you're reading Ecclesiastes. I've called this message Becoming Outrageously Generous because of what Solomon is about to talk about. The first point in your outline is this. How would you define reckless generosity? How would you define, if I said, just go ahead and in your notes right now, just define that. Reckless generosity. What would you write down? Because sometimes we get caught in thinking generosity is all about dollars. And I would like to say it's partly about dollars, but it's a lot more than dollars. Would you agree with me that sometimes writing the check is the easiest part of generosity? When you look at time, talent, and treasure, which are the kind of the three things that Jesus talks about, those are the things that we need to be generous with in our lives. And it is a challenge in a culture that's all about me, good old number one, to break out of that box. Let's read it. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Send your grain across the seas, and in time profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. This is a very well-known passage. And King James, I believe, says, cast your bread on the water, and then it's going to come back to you. I like the message. It's a paraphrase of the Bible, and I, I, I read it devotionally a lot. And when I read it this week, looking at all this, I thought, i got to just put this on the screen. So let me read verses 1 and 2 from the message. It says, be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others. This could be your last night. I like that. Solomon is kind of trying to say, look, you don't know how long you're going to even live. Why don't you be generous today with the stuff that's right in front of you? Don't hold back. Now, this scripture is really abused in evangelical circles. Really abused. And I, I want to just make a, a, something, a statement that I want you to, to understand theologically what Solomon is not doing. So many times when you hear this scripture, it's in reference to Cast your bread on the water. First of all, that's because Solomon is probably picturing in his culture, this is when the grain ships would go out from port and they would be taking seeds to sell to other nations in a trade and a bartering decision. Those ships would be out many times for months and no one would know what the profits would be when they came back. That's why it's a waiting game. They didn't have cell phones and contracts back in those days, all right? And so Solomon is saying, you cast your bread on the water. You send it out. And someday, in some way, it's going to come back to you. And you are going to profit because you were willing to ship it out. 
But how I use many, how I hear many people using this scripture is they will say, you know, if you send this ministry a hundred dollars, God will give it back to you a thousand. And they tie it to dollars in such a way that you have people who basically believe if they give a hundred, they'll make a thousand. If you expect finances in return from a financial gift to God or a ministry, is that called generous giving? Go like this. No, that is called greed. And we have to really be careful with this because, because I don't want to teach people how to give with greed, expecting that from God. Here's the deal, though. What Solomon does want us to understand, when you become a giver, including money, good things are going to happen in your life. You might be blessed financially. God might return that. It's a promise that says this stuff is going to come back to you because you've committed to be a, a giver. But that's not the motive in your heart when you give. And that's a tricky one to walk through. Number two. The second point is this. How will I stay motivated when much of life is beyond my control? How am I going to stay generous when there are so many things that happen that I just don't have control over? And that gets frustrating because we like to be in control in our world. Uh, let me read verse 3. I love how Solomon says this. Look, listen. When clouds are heavy or dark or gray, the rains come down. <laughs> this is my favorite line. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. There you go. The wisest man that's ever lived. How's that? Wow. Thanks, Solomon. Now, I'll tell you why he said that in a minute because it actually is pretty profound with his thought. Look at verse 4. Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. If they watch every cloud, they'll never harvest. Why? It locks them out of the hope of getting it perfect. Because it's just not perfect. I would just love for you to understand today there is no perfect season to plant seeds of generosity. There's always going to be stuff you don't get, stuff you don't understand, and there's always a reason why you shouldn't. That's why Solomon is using these analogies. You can't control the rain. How many of you have tried to say, Lord, I don't care if it snows, just keep it off of my driveway? <laughs> and the canopy of God just blocks your driveway, and everyone else shovels, and you just smile and say, isn't God good? No, that's not how it happens. It rains on all of us. It snows on all of us. These are challenging things. He's saying when a tree falls, here's, here's what Solomon's trying to do. In his day, there were huge trees. And when one of those big trees would fall, no man could move it. You know, you, if you got horses and all that and cut it, then you could. But no one could move those big trees. If it falls to the north, that's where it's going to lay. If it falls to the south, that's where it's going to lay. You know what he's telling us? You can't control which way the tree falls. But there's going to be some trees that fall. But you must go ahead and commit to living outrageously in a generous way. Keep giving. See, it's a huge thing. Losing hope causes us to want to quit. And our nation right now, you know, I, I just want to say I am praying for our nation. How many of you think we could be in trouble here? It's, it's a, it's just, there's some huge issues out there that I, I don't know. I just, I'm prayerful. God, please go... I pray for our leaders. 
And that's what we're instructed to do. But there are many people who are losing hope. Some of you might be here right now. And you say, I just don't have the hope. That's why I hear people say things like, why would I look for a job when no one is hiring? Um, Things like, why work on my marriage when my spouse isn't going to change anyway? (laughs) Maybe it's not just them that needs to change. Why try to make a difference when I'm the only one who cares about this? Why walk with God? This is a big one. Why walk with God when there are so many hypocrites? See, what people are looking for is a reason why they don't have to try. Because then they get released. And Solomon is coming against this attitude and saying, guess what? Some trees are going to fall. It's going to rain on your life. But you're going to plant some seeds anyway because there's no perfect season. You get out there and do what God's put in your heart to do. And start today. That's what he's saying. I've had people who have said, to me with, you know, Bonnie, my wife, and our teams here have gotten so involved with this anti-sex trafficking stuff. And you guys, thank you for your generosity. I mean, we, we went just a few weeks ago to dedicate this home of hope that you, you practically paid for. And we're going to show you pictures the last week of January, and the team's going to talk to you about it. But I've had people say, why would you care so much and do so much and build a home of hope for these girls when that's just a drop in the bucket? You know, what, has it really going to change the world to rescue some girls out of these brothels? Well, let me tell you something. Looking into the faces of these little girls, it, it's changed their life forever. You are a part of that. I can't just be overwhelmed by the big picture and do nothing. I must do what I can. I've had people, we we're up against this right now with our new church in Windsor. Um, people have said, you know, Pastor Jerry, this is the wrong time to be planning a church. You know, it's a bad economy. People are out of work. It's a challenge. And, and I, I sometimes, I, and I realize, and I'm, I think we should use wisdom and all of that. Um, but it's almost like people won't help or won't give or won't step into it with just what they could do. It's almost like it's just the wrong time. And I just want to encourage you. It's never going to be the right time to plant churches. There will always be trees falling. There will always be reasons why you shouldn't do what God puts before you. And I just want to say thank you for being a church that doesn't buy that lie. That we can't do sometimes things at the level that we want to, but we can do what God puts in our hands. And I believe that today. Don't lose hope in this culture no matter what. Believe God. And by the way, we're opening the Windsor Church on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Isn't that exciting? I can't wait. It's really fun. This blesses me so much when I saw this. Pastor Reza is the campus pastor there, and this is an invitation for people in the community of Windsor who you can give to your friends who you know live there, take it to your office building, and and 3, 4, and 5 p.m., they're doing their own live Christmas Eve services in that new facility. And they're back at a table. You can sign up back there to help if you want to. There's also a little info card that says, how many kids do you have? Are you interested in attending Windsor? Uh, Just to help them out. Um, it doesn't ask for money. It's just more information of when you might want to come there. Um, go pick some of this up and go by that table. Look at what they have. If you have any interest in being involved in the Windsor thing, it would just be awesome. And we need some help with greeters and ushers, both here at this campus and the Windsor campus for Christmas Eve. So if you can serve uh, for 30 minutes to help us with greeting and ushering, and if you can uh, do that, go back to that uh, Serving Central station out there and sign up. Um, Let's move on. Number three, 
Will I keep planting seeds even when it doesn't make sense to me? Will I keep planting seeds even when it doesn't make sense to me? This is similar to what we just said, you know, when when life is beyond our control. But this one gets into the mental and the, the thinking process. Because sometimes my logic is not the logic of God. Anyone else have that problem? And you sort of say, well, God, this is really how you should do it. This would be better. Okay, I'm the only one. Okay. Verse 5. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God. Somebody say amen. We just don't always understand the activity of God who does all things. So in light of that, verse 6, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from the one activity or another activity or maybe both. What, what, What is he saying? He's saying, get up and be generous and make an investment first part of your day. And that may not bring you anything in return. But if you stay busy the rest of the day and you keep doing good and you keep planting seeds and you do what's in front of you, good things are going to happen. And you don't know which thing something good will come out of. I'm convinced today, you guys, sometimes the greatest harvest comes from the smallest investment because that's the activity of God. Five loaves, two fish. I don't get that. Why? It's a God thing. And sometimes the biggest investment reaps the smallest harvest from what we can see, even though we can't see in a spiritual realm what God sees. I saw this on, on Wednesday night. This is so funny. I'm going to illustrate this. Um, by the way, our Wednesday night Christmas festival thing, I hope you made it. It was a blast. This place was buzzing. Let me tell you, uh, feeding or a, a petting zoo out there can I just uh, you guys have a lot of kids. I mean, it blew me away. It blew me away. I was just thinking about all the kids and they're all running around. And, and I just, I actually, I said, Bonnie, we, this makes me want to have little kids again. It's just amazing. She said, honey, you need a dog. <laughs> if you weren't here last week, that will not make sense to you. And I don't have time to explain it. So don't miss a weekend around here. Or you're just out of the loop. But anyway, I was, I was literally so moved by what I saw. There's this game, um, this game that they set up for the kids to play. And uh, out here in the mall area, and they had these rings. And the, the kids had to throw these rings and try to get it to go over these, these bottles. And they were, they were much farther away than I am right now. And what happened was, was the, the, it was probably from way back there to way up there. The farthest one back was like, to the end of the platform over there. And so I said to the person running it, I said, Has, have any of these kids actually got a ring around that farthest bottle way down at the end? And they said, yeah, two have. And I thought, wow, there's some good throwers here. And he, then he said, let me tell you how both of them happened. He said, they were really little kids, like three years old. And they had the ring like this and they went, and they just threw the ring and one of them hit the light and spun off of it and bounced, rolled over and flopped down right over the pot bottle. Said <laughs> so the other one just threw it like this and it went over and it hit the picture frame on the wall, made it go crooked, flew back over and went right over the bottle at the farthest end. 
So I'm just going to start throwing rings. Please bring that back. And I, I start... <laughs> Almost. That was a good idea. <laughs> Here's the point. Even if it's impossible, there's no chance if you don't throw the ring. You, you might try and, and hit the wall and hit the light and hit the ceiling and there might be no hope logically that you have a chance to make a difference in the scenario you're looking at. Would you just plant the seeds of generosity and trust God? That's what we have to do. And it's difficult to do. I, I love seeing the things that are unlikely. You know, that's why we're nice to people when they're not nice back. It's, it's why we keep giving our, our time, our energy, our, our money, wherever I can. I, I think of the, hearing the bells and the, the red boxes outside grocery stores and places, and I just this, this week dropped some money in there and thought, I believe in this. I don't give to every ministry because I don't have enough knowledge to know how it's structured and, and legitimate, but I want to be a person who is ready in my attitude to be a giver in whatever scenario I happen to be in at the time. And I hope you'll do that too, because that's what we're called to do. And God will help us to do those things. Fourthly, am I breathing life in to the fullest? And I think we know what that means when I talk about, you know, am I really taking it in? Am I really enjoying what's going on? And Solomon he just kind of out of the blue makes this random statement, which we've seen a lot of in Ecclesiastes. But in verse 7, this is what he says. Light, meaning morning light, sunlight, is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. A couple of translations say things like, how wonderful it is to wake up and see the light in the morning. You know what he's saying in this one verse? He's saying, has it dawned on you that you're alive today? It's wonderful to wake up and see the light of day and say, wow, I have another day in my hand. Will I make the best of today? And then he goes in to talking to people who are very old and people who are very young. So listen carefully to this. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of life. How many of you say amen to that? Okay. But let them also remember there will be many dark days. In other words, be prepared for the challenges. Everything still to come is meaningless. He's still saying no matter what, no matter how secure you are or insecure you are, no matter how financially ready or non-ready you are, there is an eternity. This life under the sun is not going to bring all the fulfillment. That's been his theme as we go along. Then he turns his attention to the young people. So young people, listen up. Young people, it's wonderful to be young. Amen. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. This is sounding really good, isn't it? Then he ruins it. <laughs> but remember that you must give an account to God <laughs> for everything you do. It was fun until he said that, right? No, I'm kidding. He's saying, I want you to live in the perimeters of my blessing. And I don't want you to get too caught up in fretting over what's going to happen down the road. So refuse to worry, verse 10. Keep your body healthy, but remember that youth with the whole life before you is meaningless. 
In other words, this is not the only stage of life you're going to live in. There's other stuff that you're going to learn about and see in your world. What are you going to do with the rest of your life, you guys? That's the question I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to ask you. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? I have five things that are just literally going to go really, really fast that I want you to try this week. See them down there? I've put this on my computer screen, and I'm going to try to look at it every day. And I'm going to try to do these five things. Number one, worry less. Pretty simple, huh? Worry less. <laughs> this is funny to sit up here and be able to see you because some of you are looking at me like, oh, I'm really worried about that one. Because <laughs> worry is what you do. If you're not, if you don't have anxiety, there's just going to be something wrong. I just, I hereby grant you permission to not worry. Just this week. You can take it all back on next week. Worry less. Number two, another thing, it's a nugget I think Solomon is saying in this whole chapter. Give more. Just, just be determined that you're going to live as a giver. Time, talent, treasure. In a, in a season right now, listen, this is, in a season right now especially where people are making their list before they walk out of their door and they are on their way and you feel it in the way they drive and you feel it in the way they rush toward the counter, you feel it in the grocery store, you feel that they are getting their agenda done, why don't we be the people who chill out and who understand what this season really is? And why don't we live in a manner that can open the door for someone and not try to beat them to the checkout stand. Can we do stuff like that? Give more to the causes you believe in. Number three, this is a big one. Give someone another chance. Hey, all of us have relationships that have gone south, issues. Um, I was at Celebrate Recovery last Thursday night. Man, it blessed me so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go more. I wanna go more that place. It was, it was so touching to hear these stories. I was inspired. I came home and said, Bonnie, you wouldn't believe some of the stories I've just heard. It's just so inspiring. And all of them had this something of hope, this nugget that people believed in them, but all of them had one common denominator. Someone believed in them and his name was Jesus. And I got to thinking about that. Jesus believed in me maybe when no one else did. Jesus believes in you when maybe no one else could or should. I know there are reasons we cut off ties with people. I get that. I'm not talking about opening up a wound that doesn't need to be opened. I'm talking about giving someone a chance because Jesus has given them a chance. How can we do that? And then number four, do not take one day for granted. I, I'm, I'm going to really do that this week because I, I had an interesting thing happen to me this week where... Christmas for pastors and staffs and stuff, it's a really busy time because you have, you know, every night there seems like there's stuff. And it's all good, but it's just challenging. And I had this one day where I was like, literally, when I started my day early, my prayer was, Lord, please help me just make it through this day. And, you know, I felt really convicted about that later in my day because some of the best things happened to me and with me on that day. And I thought I was wanting to just get to the end of my day Instead of saying, God, let me be a blessing on this day. 
And so I'm trying. I want you to try. How can I not just live to get through something, but I can live to be fully invested in something, in all the activities, even if they're humdrum. Be alive today. You have potential today. Last thing, another pretty big challenge, but I want to challenge you. Love God when you don't understand him. When the tree falls north, when it rains, when it snows, when the emotional pain seems to be too great and you're challenged beyond your ability to cope and you wonder where God went, try to love God even when you don't understand him. That's what Solomon's saying. It's a message for us today. Will I do that? Will I pray anyway? People say, well, he never answers my prayers. Pray anyway. Talk to God. Tell him why you're angry. Tell him why you're frustrated. We've all been there. Guys, I've been disillusioned with God. Many people have been. Most all of us who've walked with God very long have been. But that doesn't mean you give up on him. Why? Because he will never give up on you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we have this room called our living room right here, right now, where we can talk about real life. And this is real life. We don't understand a lot of these things and they happen to us and we just have to take it. But Lord, I believe there are some people in this room today that the tree has fallen north and they don't understand. It's rained on their relationship. There are issues that bring fear and anxiety. Be God. Be that comforter, Holy Spirit. I want to pray over some of you who would say, I, I'm disillusioned with God. I'm trying to love him, but I don't understand him right now. And just pray for me. Just pray that I'll press on. Guys, there's no shame in that. There's no embarrassment in that. I've been there. But it's good for you to acknowledge it, just to say, I'm a little disillusioned and the tree has fallen and the rain has come and I don't understand why God doesn't seem to hear my prayers, but I'm just going to raise my hand and be prayed over today. Hold your hand up if that's you, would you please? God bless you. Thank you. You can put them right back down. It's just a great motion. Church, would you pray with me for these? Lord, I know there are times in my life I would have lifted my hand right there. And all of us probably could say that. So for our brothers and sisters, as we call our family together in this room today, it means a lot that they have that honesty and they're willing to just say, this is where I really am. And that's the start of potential healing. So show up, God. Show up in a way that they have a peace. Even if circumstances don't change, you can bring peace amidst storms that blow us away. Let them be anchored to something more than themselves today. Let them know they have a family praying for them and they have a God who loves them even if they don't understand this God. I trust you now, Lord. Be a comfort. Let them see you work somehow, some way, through others, for them. Secondly, I just want to pray over all of us, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because I want all of us to acknowledge this, that we can be more generous. Time, talent, treasure. And would you just, would you just make a vow to God that says, I'm going to, I'm going to look at my attitude this week. I'm going to look at opportunities. I'm going to change my pace a little bit. And I'm going to be a giver. 
want to change something. And I'm not going to look for thanks. I'm not going to do it to be rewarded. I'm not going to expect anything back, though I think you'll get something back. I'm going to do it because I want to be a generous, outrageous, outrageously generous person. Lord, we pray that on your church. We pray that on your kids today. I pray it on my life. We will be those people, (laughs) those people who see opportunities that others call a burden. But it's no burden to us because you live in us and you touch through us and you do radical acts of kindness through us. Thank you, Lord. And finally today, I pray for those who are separated from you, God. doesn't matter your background, whatever you've come in here with, God loves you. He wants you in relationship with him. And if you have fallen out of relationship with your father God, or you've never invited him to be the Lord of your life, would you just now let me lead you in a prayer that says something like this from your heart. Lord, I need you. I acknowledge my need of you. Forgive me of the sin that separates from me from you. I do trust that you are the son of God and you died on that cross for my sin right now. By faith, I say yes to the future you have for me. Help me to forgive myself and to move on, trusting you every day. For your glory, we pray this. And everyone said, amen. Thank you so much. Our prayer team is going to come right now, and uh, they're going to be available. Some of you might just want to connect with someone to pray with. If you've accepted Christ, we have a packet we'd love to put in your hand to take home with you today. Thanks for being at Timberline. Don't forget, at uh, Serving Central right out there, you can sign up to help us on Christmas Eve for ushers, greeters, and uh, the Windsor as well, and other tables in the mall. God bless you. Remember, the service starts now. Go in his grace. God bless you.